Welcome to Coming from Left Field, where we have conversations about politics, books, and current events with your host, Greg Gottles and Pat Cummings. Moms for Liberty, founded in 2021 by two women self-described as joyful warriors, advocates for parental rights and education. They claim that most of their funding comes from t-shirt sales, and the group's remarkable expansion is the result of grassroots populist appeal. Really now. With a little digging, one finds that, soon after forming, they received unusually quick amplification in the far-right media, and it appears that they have been funded with wheelbarrows full of dark money from a who's who of extreme right players. Then there's the book banning, targeting teachers' unions, harassing public school boards, critical race theory, moral panic, and more, much more. Let's discuss. Warm greetings. We are back for another podcast with uh, our very good, very good friend Walker uh, Bragman. I is it Walker or Walt? I I, I have in it's, my notes Walter, but you are Walker, so I I hope I don't uh, keep getting that wrong. You know, literally everybody makes that mistake. Uh, okay. I, I, more so, more so, I think since the Breaking Bad show came out because everybody loved Breaking Bad and that you know but before that the closest uh the closest like mainstream I guess version of my name was uh Walker Texas Ranger I got that a lot and then and then when Breaking Bad happened I started getting Walter a lot so well you are a very good journalist and I just discovered you a couple of uh just recently you write for the Hill Truth Out Salon Opt Out Media, which is very good, and then a wonderful blog that uh, uh, that you post to, and I'll make links to this in the show. I, I just strongly recommend uh, people following you. Your your post today was quite remarkable. We'll talk about that as it relates to this particular situation. And we try to uh, avoid the, the blog word. It's uh, Substack. We prefer newsletter. We, you know, it's uh, it's uh, not they're not opinion pieces. They are reported uh, articles. So that's right. But, they are very. Thank you. Uh, they, I appreciate the uh, your kind words. Yeah. So I I need to get a little bit of background. We're going to be talking about moms for liberty, and this I have been uh, I have been following what is going on in a school district very close to me, uh, and. Uh, and have been a member of a Facebook group, uh, which is uh, quite prolific in their posting. And they post uh, anti-vax, sex education, CRT, you know, just the 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 the, the nor- normal uh, anti-union things. The other day, I was watching a, a YouTube video of the school board member there and these mothers after mothers were coming up just berating the school board regarding sex education and different policies. And I saw the shirt Moms for Liberty and I didn't make the connection for it. So literally I Googled Moms for Liberty and found your very good article, the grassroots parent rights groups get big mystery money. And I just felt like an idiot that I hadn't made any of these connections from these aggressive school board uh, parents uh, very actively harming what I think is quite a remarkably good school district. 
and this dark money that seems to be propping them up. Get, get, that that that's my introduction. T t tell me how you came across this. So uh, I've been reporting on the uh, the dark money efforts to shape the the pandemic discussion, pandemic safety discussion, and, and uh, I had initially reported on the discussion about lockdowns. So as everybody probably remembers, uh, early on in the pandemic, a number of states, most states, I think, issued um, stay-at-home orders. Uh, these lasted um, basically none of them lasted more than than a few weeks, but they they did. They saw non-essential business closures, um, and some of them lingered. Some you know closures lingered for longer, but generally speaking, they were they were relatively short-lived. Um, now during the 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 closures were economically disruptive. I mean, major sectors of the economy, namely um, uh, hospitality, took major hits um and so almost immediately you start to see groups uh like those in in billionaire charles Koch's political network start coming out and saying we got to enable the country to reopen we gotta we gotta reopen america we gotta get things back to normal um this was you know, this is harm reduction from, from their perspective um even though the virus is still circulating even though it's killing thousands of people every week uh from from the perspective of capital, you got to get things back to normal because if you don't, the the short term losses are going to be just astronomical, and it could carry on for years and years and years. Right. Um, I think McKinsey said that some of the most impacted a McKinsey report from the, the consultancy that everybody now associates with uh, Pete Buttigieg, um, but is actually a really major uh, consultancy with some of the largest companies uh, in the world as clients. Um, put out a report saying that some of the hardest hit sectors of the economy will take years to recover. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a very wealthy person with a, looking at your, at your portfolio, this is not something you want to hear. Um, and if that's your main concern, this is not something you want to hear. So Coke groups, business aligned groups start, start coming out against, against lockdowns early on in, in 2020. Um, What's interesting is that schools would become, I think, an even uh, a, a hot button issue uh, that of even greater potency than the lockdown stuff. Um, but that wouldn't happen for some time. Initially, groups, uh, these right wing dark money groups kind of looked at school closures as a positive thing. Um, there was a, a piece written by Virginia Gentles of the Independent Women's Forum, which is a co-funded op operation. Um, that basically said school closures are going to be less stressful for homeschooling is less stressful for kids. Mm -hmm. It's probably, it's better for parents. It's going to be, you know, you're going to find that, that your, your life is better without having to go into the, you know, the public schools every day. And like, there's less, and, and that, that was, uh, that was an early, that was early on in the pandemic. Of course, in April, 2020, um, report from McKinsey comes out that says if we want to tap into the full productive capacity of the workforce, we got to open schools because 27 million Americans rely on childcare to work. Mm -hmm. Schools are childcare. So the, 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 the economy was, the, the recovery was very sluggish and, and labor force participation was not coming back, even though the lockdown measures ended, even though they, they did that. So you start to see a push from the right uh, 
to reopen schools and you start to see these narratives that school closures represent this this undue harm to children um that would evolve into school mask mandates as well oh we can't have the masks any kind of reminder of the pandemic that there's a, a pandemic going on has to go because we got to get we got to get back to normal um so virginia gentles by the way who i mentioned wrote that piece about how great homeschooling was and how wonderful the closures could be. Uh, she recently testified before the, the House Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis, and um, her her testimony was all about the harms of school closures. So, you know, it's it's, it's really you can you can see the progression here. Um, and Moms for Liberty is one of these groups that sprung up in opposition to closures. Um, it was founded in Florida in, in um, I believe, uh, January of uh, 2021. It was formally established. The, the founders were current and former school board members. Uh, it was Tiffany uh, Tiffany Justice and Tina Deskovich, um, the two Florida school board moms. And then also they were they were joined um, by Bridget Ziegler, who was a, a, a Sarasota County school board member um, and wh whose husband was very well connected in Florida politics. Almost immediately, uh, Moms for Liberty gets picked up by right wing media. Um, yeah, you Rush mentioned Limbaugh. you mentioned Rush Limbaugh, Fox yeah. News, Steve Bannon, Breitbart, Glenn Beck, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, um, just immediately, prolifically, they are on all these shows. Yep, all of them. And uh, for as somebody who has, as you know, I have a nonprofit. Uh, the, uh, we mentioned earlier the Opt Out Media Foundation. It's hard to start a nonprofit group and and you know raise raise money and do the kinds of things that you need to do. Uh, get publicity. Publicity is very is very tough. Even though uh, you know, I I think what we do is we offer some pretty uh, cool services. We have an, a free news app that's available on iOS and, and Android. It's uh, all independent media. You can scroll through, make your own feed. There's no algorithm. We're not, there's no native advertising. We're not selling your data. It's just a clean news experience from independent media. Anyway, uh, like even with a good product, I think it's very hard to get publicity. So the fact that this, this group, this like was, was, was able to just get all of that immediately is, is suspicious. Uh, they also were were amplified and elevated by by Ron DeSantis, who recently declared his candidacy for the 2024 presidential uh, race. Um, DeSantis is uh, somebody who the more you read about this stuff, the more you learn about the, the COVID misinformation um, sphere, like the groups that are pushing COVID misinformation to get everything back to normal. DeSantis is very enmeshed with that, with those efforts. Um, and he appears at the at, at uh, Moms for Liberty's convention and receives an award from Moms for Liberty for being so aggressive um, in in pushing in pushing uh, normalcy. Now, Moms for Liberty has said that it's a grassroots organization. They've said that most of their funding comes from T-shirt sales, which is not true at all. Um, in fact, a substantial amount of their funding comes from large donations. Uh, this is a pattern uh, with these with these groups. Another another organization, um, which I, I may do a write-up of this, but another organization that's similar to Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, uh, 
got a $250,000 donation from the Cyril Freedom Trust. So um, that's a little bit of original uh, reporting here on your podcast. <laughs> well, um, the, the, uh, the, not just conservative groups, you know, other groups, like I, I'm in close to Seattle and I've seen the impact of the Gates Foundation's money just flowing into these groups that are supposedly these grassroots groups, but all of a sudden they are following the exact line of what Gates wants them to of teacher evaluations and testing and so forth. So, uh, right. but it's, well, it's well, hard, Gates... it's hard to see who's real and who's not real because of the way the funding's set up, you don't know who are these people. Well, the, the Gates Foundation, you know, is another one of these. Uh, they 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 also have an interest in private in privatizing schools. I mean, really, the effort to the effort to um, raise hell about COVID mitigations in, in schools isn't really about the kids. Um, at its core, it has three main goals. The first is the economy getting parents back to work, having, having the, you know, that daycare system in place. That's number one. Uh, that's the, the, the goal for the money. That's their goal. That's who's, who's behind it. Uh, another, another goal is undermining public education. You have to remember that, that capital interests, right-wing capital interests have long hated public education. They've long supported privatization. Now, Bill Gates as well is a, you know, an advocate for, you know, alternatives to public education um but like the the coke groups they really want to do away with public education and the third goal is undermining labor mm -hmm. um teachers unions in particular so that's that's where this push to sort of radicalize parents around school closures comes from now they targeted um sort of middle to upper middle class white parents who for the first time really are, oh shoot, we have to like, I've got to really, really balance like raising my child with 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 work. I think I think that people from you know uh, lower income uh, backgrounds, I think, had a much better handle on on the situation um, than than uh, sort of well-off white parents. That's just my own speculation but um it's it, white parents immediately uh were the they were the ones who who quick who most quickly were like we, we got to get the kids back to school now a lot of you know a lot of moms had been forced out of the workforce and that that plays into this um but so these these groups that were sort of we got to get everything open we got to get back to normal that was their demographic. This is their wedge issue. And Moms for Liberty is a testament to that. Before you were going on, Greg and I was talking, we're, we're talking about that. The, the fact that it's the affluent districts that are being taken over by these groups, not the, you know, not where, Tacoma, where I'm at, the urban districts. Um, then that just yeah. shows the links to the politics of it all, too. Uh, the, the, here in Pittsburgh, uh, Today, there is a, a story out uh, in an affluent suburb, uh, South Hill suburb, that this is this is what they're dealing with. Uh, and it's, in fact, uh, Moms for Liberty that are well organized. It's a very affluent district. It's virtually all white, not all white, but almost all white. 
And the rest of the city really hasn't seen this phenomenon. It's just in this one particular community. Is that is that typical? Is it really typical that that's and why do you suppose that is? Yeah, so I that is that is sort of what the the polling has suggested. You know, every every so often there's a poll about there was a now that schools are mostly open, these polls have stopped. But when they were doing polling on this and schools were reopening and you know balancing COVID mitigations, you found the most support for COVID mitigations, remote learning. You found that among parents of color. Um, and it's it skewed it skewed uh, less white and it skewed lower uh, you know lower income, um, and I think the reason I think there are several reasons for that. Um, I think that these are families um, who were hit hardest by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They um, a lot of a lot of these families live in multi generational homes. Um, that's another aspect of it. So you you know a kid brings home COVID. They could infect um, older members of their household, more vulnerable members of their household. Uh, these well, in, these well-off, you know, sort of white parents, they're not live. They're they're less likely to live in in multi-generational housing. Um, so I think that's that's an aspect of it. Uh, also, experiences with the healthcare system, I think, matter, and experiences with public schooling. I think that you know these sort of more affluent communities. Uh, have have better experiences overall with the healthcare, you know, because of of systemic racism in this country. Have better experiences with our institutions, um, healthcare, with our healthcare system as well, uh, than than these than families of color. So I think that plays into it as well. Um, but yeah, so so it it really we saw this 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 emerge this sort of divide between the well off and 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 white folks, and then sort of everybody else. Um, the group that was driving the policy discussion, well-off white folks. That's, and, and that's just a, another, I think, testament well, here, to- here in, here in Pittsburgh, uh, it, it's really LGBTQ issues that 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 the uh, Moms for Liberty are up in arms about. That's their most, that's their salient, that's their front. And I guess in other places, it's uh, critical race theory or, yeah. Um, the whole book uh, is there a demographic? Is can you break that down? I mean, where is it one the most important? Where is another the most important? Is there any kind of well, clues to that? I think it depends. Look, as as the pandemic stuff is, you know, we're in a lull period right now with COVID, and who knows how if how long it'll last, or if it, if we'll get another bad variant. Who knows? Um, but as the COVID stuff has sort of faded from the popular discourse. Uh, that's not to say, uh, you know, I'm, uh, that's not to say that that COVID is not still an issue. It very much is, especially for the immunocompromised and the vulnerable. Absolutely, people should be taking precautions. That's just, but from the popular discourse, COVID has 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 faded. That is, um, you know, major major media outlets have, have kind of moved on, and you can look at the demographics of the journalists, uh, you know, the 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 socioeconomic status of the of the reporters who are on television and. And uh, and in in um, the Washington Post and the New York Times, and I think that provides some insight into why that is. Uh, sort of fits into the same um, the same uh, trends that we see with the with the school board moms, like who supports remote learning, who supports mitigations, and who doesn't. Again, well off white, probably less supportive of mitigation efforts. Now, in terms of of critical race theory and anti LGBTQIA plus stuff 
Moms for Liberty embraced that almost out of the gate. So while while the uh, the COVID the COVID clo the closures due to COVID were the impetus for found, supposedly found the impetus for founding this group, um, the, the 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 Moms for Liberty founders also took issue with the curriculum, school curriculum. They said. You know, the closures were the first time we really got to look at what our kids are learning in school and it was really bad and like we got to do something about it so moms for liberty is um viciously anti-trans um anti-critical race theory you know anti-history uh they essentially are a far-right um group of of angry parents that are, are known for their aggressive, extremely aggressive tactics at school board meetings. Um, I, I think, you know, because they are a national group now, chapters are different. They have different priorities. I can't say why one chapter focuses, would focus more on one thing than another, but um, really it's the, it's the link between COVID denial um, and bigotry, you know, culture war bigotry. And, and they are, they've pushed for book bans, um, they're, they're a really, really parents who don't want their kids to be indoctrinated into right wing, you know, who don't want schools to, to be, uh, taken over by, by far right wing, um, uh, malcontents, I guess you could say, uh, should, should active, actively organize against this group and many, and, and in many places they are, um, it's just unfortunate that moms for Liberty is so well-funded, uh, the, the money is definitely on the right. And that's, that's, a you know, and, a situation that, that we face across issues. Like, like I said, I didn't make the connection between this Facebook group, uh, informed parents of Washington Peninsula school district that I've, I've been a member of for a year or so, but it's a closed group. You have to be brought into the group. I'll probably be kicked off the group now after they, this podcast, but the, the my my initial posts with them were regarding their their vaccine stuff. They were just posting stuff that was just horrible. It was so wrong, yep. and and touting all of these public speak uh, these doctors that you Google the doctors and they're just they're they're QAnon doctors. You know they're just nuts, and um, and that's how that's that was what most of the conversation was was how harmful the teachers union was. Funny about that, right? This, this, these, this horrible teachers union. Although I did, I did notice, uh, Greg, you'll be, you'll be pleased. I did notice they posted just recently, uh, yesterday, or uh, that uh, they're Marxists. Oklahoma's top educator officially wages war against teachers union. He says that they're all Marxists. I thought you'd be glad to know that all the teachers in Oklahoma yeah. are Marxist. Yeah. Uh, Greg. Happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah glad, glad, glad to hear. But now, now it's all now it's all sex. Now it's all sex. It's all condoms on bananas, and you're you're grooming our children. Yeah, and these I, it it just is it is horrible. It's, it's just it's, horrible. It's, just, it's so it's such toxic bull. Can I? Swear? Yes, you can. Oh. Yes. No. Yeah, it's toxic bullshit, and it's it's baseless. Uh, and again, I just want to highlight the DeSantis connection here because DeSantis has made himself a leading like figure among this sort of disinformation, anti-vax uh, right. Uh, he, I think for DeSantis, there are several reasons for, for, for him sort of branding himself that way. Um, namely, Donald Trump 
has somewhat stood by the vaccines because they were developed by, you know, his administration helped facilitate the development with Operation Warp Speed, which by all accounts was a success. You know, um, for all of his faults, Operation Warp Speed was a success. But the base of the party, and in no small part thanks to Trump himself, have sort of rejected uh, vaccines in favor of sort of quack cures. And um, Trump is now is now in a sort of interesting position where he's like, you know, the vaccines are great. We delivered the vaccines, but also his base is is now largely anti-vax. Um, and I think DeSantis has capitalized on that. Uh, he he is cozied up to right wing operatives uh, and and fringe scientists. He put, uh, for example, uh, there's there's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who is a professor at Stanford University. He's a, basically an economist uh, who's one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Now, we're getting technical. The Great Barrington Declaration was an open letter from October 2020 published by a, a libertarian think tank, and it essentially called for letting COVID spread. Like, don't do anything. Don't lock down. Herd, herd immunity. Herd immunity herd through herd. infection and and focused protection, which is cover your ass language for do nothing and uh, let it rip. Uh, so DeSantis has cozied up to to Bhattacharya and his co-author, um, one of his co-authors, Martin Kuldorf. Uh, if, when the Urgency of Normal Toolkit came out, it was a bunch of doctors who were not child development experts put out a, uh, a toolkit saying closures are, are causing developmental harm to children. Um, he, he's also cozied up to that crowd as well. Uh, Tracy Beth Hoeg, who was a who was one of those author, one of the, one of the authors of the Urgency of Normal. She's now a state epidemiologist for DeSantis, even though she um, her practice was in physical medicine. She's not really an epidemiologist. Her, her publications in epidemiology are very limited and very recent, um, but she does have a degree. Uh, she is a, you know, has a degree in epidemiology. So technically she meets the, I guess, qualification for uh, an epidemiologist. Um, he also put Joe Ladapo in charge of, uh, he's, he's now his surgeon general. Joe Ladapo is affiliated with America's Frontline Doctors, which is an anti-vax pro-Trump doctor group. And so, so you see DeSantis sort of stripping away these people um, from, from Trump. The, the Great Barrington Declaration folks were advising the Trump administration on its COVID response. Um, Ladapo was as well. There, there is a photograph of, of Ladapo, Martin Kuldorf, and Jay Bhattacharya in the Oval Office with Donald Trump. And now they're DeSantis allies. Bhattacharya was a speaker on DeSantis's Twitter space with Elon Musk. Uh, where he announced his candidacy. So, yeah. so for dissent, you know, this is, it's political. All of this, what we're seeing now is misinformation weaponized for politics. And, and Moms for Liberty is, is an arm of that. It's, it's a, a group meant to radicalize parents with misinformation, misinformed parents and get them out and get them angry and intimidate school boards and force the kinds of changes that you couldn't Otherwise, you couldn't run on, you couldn't get elected on. Um, and so I think I think that that's that's sort of what we're seeing. Um, it's extremely troubling. And of course, one of their one of their enemies are the teachers unions. It's no surprise given who given the uh, the kind of money that is backing these ventures. Now, I should verify we don't know who is funding Moms for Liberty, who the major donors are. 
You do know that in 2022, the Heritage Foundation uh, awarded a grant to Moms for Liberty. Heritage is a Koch-funded, D.C.-based libertarian think tank, uh, one of the most well-known. Um, it's to, It gets money from all sorts of wealthy interests, uh, including Koch. Um, and, and, of course, they're going to be anti-labor. Um, and almost it, all of the Moms for Liberty document is just cut and paste from the Heritage Foundation's stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. so it's, it's important to know that you're you're not fighting, you're, you know, these these parents... While they are, they're you know radicalized, and they're they themselves are not political operatives. They're what we call useful idiots for mm -hmm. an, a a billionaire, a right wing billionaire agenda backed agenda. That's that's what they are. It's, it's a curious thing, you know, since the World War II, the educational system, the schools have been a battleground in this country. I mean, with uh, desegregation. I mean, basically, all the social issues really came to bear on our school systems and our school districts and our educational system. Europe has lots of right-wing movements. I mean, really powerful right-wing movements. Uh, but I should never really hear much, and I kind of follow some of the European media, of this kind of combat within the school systems, the way it is in this country. I mean, you know, Boris Johnson had, uh, everyone was electrified over Brexit and uh, other issues, anti-immigrant stuff in Europe. But you don't find that kind of real intense warfare in the school systems the way it is here. The, the school systems have been a battleground. Like I say, 1954, school day segregation, on and on and on. Do you have any idea why that is? I mean, is there any reason why is it so 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 ugly here? Well, in in uh, the 1970s, I believe, uh, Justice Powell put out the Powell Memorandum, which was basically an instruction manual, a guide for uh, right-wing capital interests to wage a counter-revolution. And it recommended going after academic institutions. It recommended go, you know, uh, going after media, like going after media, um, basically building alternatives to the lib to the liberal mainstream, um, which had been taken over, of course, by by radicals and and whatnot. So we are seeing that play out. The the, the ways that right wing capital is fighting uh, is waging its war. I think on on this country, I uh, or or ev I should say they don't view it that way. But uh, everything that every major development that this country has had in the last hundred years um, is subject to attack by by right wing capital. That goes to child labor laws, uh, regular our regulatory state, our our welfare state. Uh, social security, all of it has come under attack. Public education has come under attack. Um, these, they're following a playbook that was laid out, um, and and effect and doing so, I think, effectively. They're going after the courts. Um, all all of the major gains that this country had in the last hundred years, all of the major developments, um, are are subject to attack by the right, and I think that that's. That's truly frightening because they are a minority in this country, but they have all the money, all, you know, not, not all of it. That's, that's, that's hyper, hyperbolic, but uh, they have a hell of a lot of money and um, they're, they're using it. They are using it to, uh, to, to undermine, undermine uh, our institutions and our government and weaken it. I mean, Look at what Florida is doing now with uh, with uh, 
targeting gay people and targeting trans people that that shouldn't hold up in court but they've hijacked the judiciary right the federal government should be able to should should come in and backstop it with federal civil rights legislation protecting lgbtqia plus people from discrimination but we can't do that because congress is really gerrymandered which gives an advantage to the minority party uh and gerrymandering the court is allowed you're allowed to do it and they've weakened the protections of the voting rights act so you can get these really aggressive uh right-wing gerrymanders that disempower communities of color um you you have uh you have no there's no ability now or or limited ability i shouldn't say no ability because i think democrats could be fighting a lot harder than they are but we have in many ways minority rule in this country by a, a small, uh, well-funded uh, minority. You know, in the nineteen in 1976, the Supreme Court passed the the Buckley versus Vallejo. Uh, it came down with the Buckley versus Vallejo decision, which said that spending money is a protected form of speech under the First Amendment, and therefore outside political spending, um, not direct contributions to candidates, but but political spending. Say, you know, if if you wanted to run ads yourself on issues. You can't you can't limit that. There can be no limit. So the effect that that has is empowering capital, you know, wealthy, very wealthy Americans to speak a whole lot louder than regular people. And then in 2010, that uh, you, you see the natural extension of that. Uh, corporations now have those same rights, corporations and nonprofits. So you see a rise in dark money groups. And this is, it is an aggressive anti-democratic counter-revolution being waged in the u.s and people are not aware of it uh, to the extent that they need to be uh we are we are losing democracy in this country very quickly it's very alarming and groups like groups like moms for liberty are just an outcropping of it they're right. the they're the inevitable result they're enforcers if you will they're the brown um, shirt the blue shirts the brown shirts blue shirts yeah yeah but they're the blue shirts you know f- who are who are like moms <laughs> yeah. you know um, the uh what's what's hitting locally is the uh why i'm interested in this got interested in this is these histrionic uh people commenting about the sex education curriculum at the local school district across the narrows bridge which by the way has a a wonderful new superintendent i worked with her she's a was a great teacher principal she's just quite remarkably good but I can't imagine what's going through her mind with these these groups, these these parents, because they are they they're they're taking parts of the curriculum and you're grooming kids and you're I it just goes beyond me. So I looked at I looked up this curriculum. I used to be director of research. I researched the curriculum. It's a great curriculum. It 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 has it has educa- it has value of having less t- STDs less teenage pregnancies higher you know it's 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 a research based curriculum that does what it's supposed to do which is educate teens and also make it so they're not going to be making bad decisions with sex and pregnancy yep. uh, you would think that this is some sort of you know pedophiles written it it just is beyond me how how good they are at creating a moral panic over something so 
simple as a sex ed curriculum, which by the way, if you don't want your child to be exposed to the curriculum, you can opt out of the curriculum. It's not a big deal. It happens all the time. Some parents this just, is, it, it's, it's not a big deal. Panic. It's, it's the modern satanic panic. I mean, these, these people want to drag the country back, you know, 50, 100 years. And, and that's, look, I, I believe firmly that the majority of Americans decided a long time ago that there are certain things that we want. We want public education in this country. We want a robust public education. We want um, a safety net. We don't want people, we don't want retirees or people who are who are of retirement age to not be able to retire and to have to die on the job or die homeless. We don't want that. Um, but all but that consensus, uh capital right-wing capital interests in this country, a lot of those people who who inherited their wealth, like Coke inherited his wealth. He's he's a, a malignant influence in this country, but he he his wealth is inherited so he wants bootstraps for everybody else but his father gave him you know 100 you know 100 million dollars or whatever like that's this these these interests want to dismantle that state it's about building generational wealth um and 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 legacy i think above everything else is legacy they they are that's what they're concerned with um and they don't care what the damage is that they that they do and it's really unfortunate that parents are susceptible to their to their messaging to these to these moral panics. They don't do the research themselves. They don't know what they're talking about. They're fed bullshit that confirms their biases. And so, you know, it, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing. And 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 it it's become sort of a religion for the if you know for for some folks where they they can't see outside of it. They can't step outside of it. And that's really dangerous. And we should have better laws in this country um, aimed at, at misinformation and, uh, and at, at the very least, um, you know, truth in advertising, like we overhaul that, but like you should not, a lot of this, a lot of politicking uh, in this country is done secret in secret behind closed doors. You don't know who's sending out what messages. Those messages can be destructive uh, especially, namely the anti-vax stuff, really destructive, um, and it's it's undermining it's undermining um, our our system and and sowing division and and just and shredding our social contracts. I just it's wild to me that we have that we are where we are. You know, public Walker, public schools Walker. are the greatest accomplishment this this country is arguably the greatest accomplishment we've ever done. Uh, we have, and and they are under attack. Right. Well, we can't we can't be losing a democracy if democracy is supposed to be a system in which the will of the of, of the people. I agree with you that most people in this country want public education. They want better conditions. They want regulation. They want a safety net, and on and on and on. But they can't get it. They can't get it for whatever reason. So, what kind of a democracy is that? If that's what we're losing, we're not losing much because we're not getting. Getting uh, national health care or Medicare for all. We're not getting uh, uh, more financial commitment to education. We're not getting a reduction in the military budget. On and on and on. I could go on. But so so how, how do we how do we go forward? 
Well, I think we have to, that's a, that's a great question. I think that uh, the answers to that, there are, there are, it's multifaceted. Um, my, my sort of gut response is we take the blueprint that the, that the right has followed and we procedurally and uh, with, with surgical precision undermine every, every step of it. Uh, one good thing we could we need to do is uh, we have to overturn or reverse the Buckley versus Vallejo Supreme Court decision. We have got to to end the farce that spending money is a, is a form of speech that cannot be regulated or infringed at all. Uh, that as long as it's not direct spending, you know, the, the, the outside spending, we can't we can't limit it. That's nonsense. It is a perversion of the First Amendment. It is the it is the absolute death of of popular democracy. All it does is hand power to wealthy interests and give them a megaphone while drowning everybody else out. We have got to get rid of that decision. We have to by whatever means necessary. You have to you have to you know. If I think that will probably happen first through the courts. So you got to target the courts. You gotta you gotta get get the right judges on you have to you have to do something about this supreme court you need a code of ethics um like there there's so many i mean there's so many elements to it but really i think it involves fixing the supreme court so that it's not stacked with these far-right ideologues um and then from there we can you know we can talk next steps but that's that's really first and foremost now that could come through the Congress. You could add more justices, could rotate the justices, um, but it's it, the the court is is key to their to the, to their strategy. And spending money is is the the bread is their bread and butter. It's their it's the backbone of their entire counter revolution. And if you if you overturn Buckley, if you get rid of that precedent, you gut their entire operation. All of this all of this is is immediately thrown into 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 shambles and right. and and you leave them with uh you know very little recourse so i think that that is that's really what you have to do you have to agree you have to treat these um right-wing sort of billionaires like the the threat to democracy that they are and you have to go after their means of of influence Oh man. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, Greg sent me an article in preparation for this that there even Amanda Gorman, the the wonderful young lady that read the poem at the inauguration, uh, says successfully had her book banned in Florida. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just I'm I'm sure it was because it made some people feel bad and. Um, fitting into the critical race theory moral panic that we're trying to destroy the country and make 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 people feel bad about racism uh, you know I, I was i was just in 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 uh tulsa visiting my fiance's family um and we were we we went to the greenwood you know museum there right, the the right. black wall street museum and it's unbelievable. First of all, that this this massacre um, happened and was just covered up. Decades and decades and decades, just covered up. 
Um, and it's now there's there's an effort to bring light to it and, and expose it for what it for what it was. Um, but you see the legacy of that. The museum does a great job of, of showing how the legacy of this heinous act of violence uh, continues to this day. And the efforts to erase critical race theory from public schools, the efforts to ban books, are just the latest iteration of angry, small-minded, conservative, bigoted white folks trying to oppress, ignore, downplay, dehumanize uh, Black Americans in this country. It is a bloody legacy. It, it, it traces all the way back to the to the Confederacy and even before that. Um, and we we like to think that we've come so far as a country, as a society, and we we're still very much in our infancy. Um, and I think that that is that is sort of the, the the that's the lesson that I took from from museum and my reading my own reading history and we have to we have to fight back we can't let we cannot let this go unchallenged we cannot let them take over our institutions we cannot let them operate in secret that's that's what important context is about is dragging these people who don't want to be highlighted into the light and showing them for who they really are providing people with the important context uh so that they can be armed against the bullshit that is coming out of this this dark money misinformation sphere um but you know we this is a five alarm fire we have got to everybody has a role to play in fighting back against against this right uh, we have seen a, an unholy alliance on the right of capital of white supremacy uh in, in many ways I, I think i think these these groups are inherently or inextricably linked you know, capital interests are skews wider uh for a reason in this country um but we all have a role to play in, in fighting this um you know you were you, you were talking about uh, sort of the, the craziness with the anti-vax thing i was listening to sagar and crystal on their breaking points i think it was yesterday or the day before and they were talking about how um, Biden's being kind of roiled, rolled in these uh, debt ceiling uh, talks. And and one of the concessions that the Republicans are asking for is to completely gut and dismantle the part of the government that brought us the vaccine, you know, Operation Warp Speed, the only one of the few things that, that Trump did was remarkably well. They want to gut that whole i i i, I, I just not, you can't make this stuff up i don't i don't get it you have to what you have to understand is that this is not i in in my opinion and i want to stress that this is my opinion um but this is an effort to destroy every everything in our about our every part of our federal apparatus except the enforcement mechanisms to protect capital. All of it can go. They want to destroy all of it. They have no interest in 
in in in the perpetuation, I think, of of this country as it stands today. They want to reshape it, and if they can't reshape it, they'll just let it die. Um, I, I'm I'm terrified by what I see. I I you know the the drastic the they, they want these drastic cuts. People are already struggling. People have been struggling. They they you know it's prices of are are high because uh, of greedflation, <laughs> uh, and people have been struggling for years. I mean, most workers are living paycheck to paycheck in this country. Meanwhile, wealth is doing better than it ever has. We have gilded age levels of inequality in this country. It cannot sustain. Um, and out of that, we are we are seeing uh, these far right movements. And I think that those those I mean, those movements work out fine for capital because they're not going after uh, these these right wing billionaires. Um, but. That's that's the end of democracy right there. If you let if you let these people take over, um, I don't know. It's it's really it's it's frightening. Uh, it's uh, like it's much it's much farther along than than I think many people realize. Uh, and, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think in the end, in the end, you've got to look to uh, two basic institutions that have always been there as uh, we hope would be there as a uh, as a uh, as a guard against this. And that's uh, trade unions and uh, Democratic Party. And I think that we've seen this gradual and not so gradual tendency and trend uh, to see the regulation and see uh, uh, the, the social net, uh, et cetera, et cetera, go away uh, and, and they let it happen. I mean, they have really not reacted to it properly. They've been defanged, uh, self-defanged, and they're not fighting for, for this. I mean, that's who else do we have that we could turn to but a political party and an, an institution that broadly represents working people. And I don't think they've done their job, frankly, and that's why it slipped away. You can blame the opposition, but that's the opposition's job is to win. But it seems yeah. like our advocates, that's not their job to win. They don't want to think, win. I think a couple things uh, happened um, which have disempowered the Democratic Party. Um, first of all, we've been talking about the counter-revolution and how it has undermined our political institutions. Um, that hampers any kind of bold action today that the Democrats could take. Now, obviously, again, there are things that Biden could do to, to get out of this debt ceiling debacle. Um, whether or not the courts then allow that is uh, a, a, an open question. I mean, we definitely have a hijacked right-wing judiciary. Um, but I think I think what we can do is we can look back to the Buckley decision when, when we unleashed money in politics. Uh, and then we can see the the neoliberal revolution, the 1980s. You know, Reagan Reagan sweeps into power. He obliterates his democratic opposition. He completes the uh, the realignment of Southern whites that we that began uh, in the 1960s with the Southern strategy. Reagan Reagan has his own spin on the Southern strategy, and he completes that realignment. Um, and the Democrats lose their their stronghold, uh, or what had historically been their their stronghold, which is the southern the southern states, uh, which again goes back to the Civil War, 
you know, Reagan had been a Republican, not Reagan, Lincoln had been a Republican and the Southern states would, you know, of the Confederacy were not going to vote for the party of Lincoln. Um, but in the 1960s, you start to see, you start to see that change. And actually you could go back to, to Herbert Hoover uh, in the, in the 20s, you start to see the Republicans making overtures to, to uh, whites, you know, Hoover had his idea for a lily white Republican party. Um, but in the 1960s, you really do get the Southern strategy of Barry Goldwater's presidential campaign, which is um, pretty, uh, is, is pretty explicit in his, uh, his, his sort of support of, of uh, the traditional social order, let's say. And uh, Goldwater wins uh, electoral votes in the Deep South. He's the first Republican candidate to do so in, in generations um, and, and, but, but he, but he ends up, he ends up losing and, uh, the, the realignment really begins with Nixon and it gets interrupted again. Uh, it gets interrupted because, because of Watergate. So Nixon had won this sweeping victory. Um, and then Watergate happens. Uh, and that's, that's a, a hang up. So it, it all culminates with Reagan. Reagan, what I'm getting at is that Reagan is the, is the guy who delivers on the, the the realignment, uh, the Republican Party is ascendant. Neoliberalism, his his idea, this this free market bullshit gets mainstreamed, um, and and that's Democrats took notice. Um, out of out of Ray, you know, they they're they have no idea how to handle Reagan, and then you get Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, his strategy is we're going to out Reagan the Republicans. And uh, that's, the, I think, so there's an ideological, what I'm saying is there's an ideological aspect of this for Democrats. Uh, there's a political aspect. They're afraid of the kind of backlash that they saw in the 1980s. You have a lot of older Democrats still in office who were alive then and remember it. Um, and and on top of that, there's the money, right? They unleash the money. And uh, so so it's, it's nice to be sort of on the take, <laughs> I, I guess. Well, I have some sense of hope with um, with you, Walker. I mean, you're. We don't have um, journalism that reports on local issues anymore. The only reason I found out about this because I happen to be watching YouTube at night. This isn't on. This isn't on, in our newspaper. We we used to have, a reporter exclusively just for one school district. That was their beat. You can't you can't find anything in the newspaper about school systems anymore. It's just gone. Well, so, local media has been bought up. A lot but, of it's been bought up by private equity and and turned into just content mills for for profit. And uh, a lot of journalists are out of work today, and it's uh, it's, it's not great. It's hard. Look, this it, stuff. It's horrible. You know, it's terrible. It, it's a very difficult industry to to survive in. I mean, I'm, you know, we, opt out is is. Uh, we are, we're very small. Our budget is very small. We're doing the best that we can. Um, important context is new. I'm doing the best that I can, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard out there. It, it really is. And um, it, the need for real journalism right now is so dire. Right. Um, you know, it's like, uh, we, we don't have time for the industry to sort of figure itself out. Right. We, we need real reporting. Right. I, pre I appreciate you having me on and, reading your article just it i just my mouth dropped about how ignorant i was 
you know, and how ill-informed I was for something so valuable as the health of a very good school district, which right now they're they're running school board members and they're trying to get the school board members on that are going to ensure that their agenda is going to prevail. And it only takes a couple thousand votes to get somebody on a school board. So it's, it's a big deal. And yeah, um, they're, they're throwing money at these races. You know, they're, they're throwing real money um, and money talks. I mean, thankfully, thankfully moms for Liberty has been, um, they haven't, they haven't really been that effective. I mean, they've gotten 22, they got half of the people that they ran on, which is right. like, okay, 50, 50, but for the amount of, for the amount of like attention that the group has, um, you know, they are, it's, it's not, it's not great, but it's, it's okay. It's, it reminds me that a majority of Americans today are not this radical, you know, backwards sort of, um, panicked you know these these uh sort of radicalized right wingers right um but yeah it's uh it's a hot house it's a hot house for uh for for future candidates in other words it's a good way to groom right wingers you know they get involved in a winnable school uh uh, school board race and they win and uh, you can kind of find some candidates for the future there city council or county council whatever Right. I have to that say well. that I, I think this is all part of an emerging fascist movement in this country. Uh, that's my 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 personal take on watching Moms for Liberty and watching all of these like right wing groups that have been pushing COVID denial and also anti trans stuff. I think the 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 appeal of those groups and the the crowd that is surround that is rallying um, behind them. Is is a modern iteration of, of fascism. We're seeing radicalized right wing people defacing stuff, you know, LGBT stuff in Target. We're seeing moms yelling at school board members. We're seeing threats at school boards and at schools. It's uh, it's slow, but it's very real. Well, sorry, what I, I, I cut you look, off. Look, look, look what's happening in Hungary with Viktor Orban. What do they call that? Soft fascism or something like that? There's a term for it, but he's it worked he's taken on the he has the courts he has the judiciary he has everything he's using this exact same playbook and he's being brought to the republican convention as a speaker as this is this is great you know so ah bad bad i'm gonna go stick my head in my gas uh, stove and turn the gas on after this podcast i tell you open a bottle of wine Oh, maybe that's a better, that's, that's a better deal. Walker, you're wonderful. I am going to link to your stuff. I, I, I'm a follower of yours. I'm a subscriber. You are, um, and I'm glad you're on my radar. You're going to be one of my daily reads. So keep, keep doing the good work. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. I'm, I'm happy, you, to, happy to be so here much. and, uh, uh, sorry for, for, for cutting you off. I, I feel, I feel bad. <laughs> no, that's all right. Thanks. Very enjoyable, very enjoyable discussion.